1: The podcast today with Tommy brought to you by MyBookie. Guys, if you're looking for a place to wager on these playoff games this weekend and you don't have a place, consider MyBookie. Use my promo code, KevinDC, and you'll get free money to play with. They'll match your deposit up to halfway all the way up to $1,000. I've urged you before, first of all, if you haven't wagered before on sports, uh, you know proceed with caution. It's not for everybody, but if you're looking for a place that you can trust, my bookie is that place. You're going to get fair lines, fair pricing, um, and you're going to get paid if you win. and the offer you can't beat. And what that means, uh, when you use my promo code at Kevin DC, them matching your deposit halfway is if you use, you know, a thousand dollars as your deposit, they'll give you an extra five hundred dollars to play with. If you uh, put in five hundred bucks to start your account, they'll give you an extra two hundred and fifty dollars to play with. So mybookie.ag promo code Kevin DC. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're gonna get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. All right, Tommy's here um, with me today, and I'm glad he is. You know, it's funny. I was um, I was putting together a list of things um, over the years that I've been right about when it comes to you know debating you on various things. Kirk Cousins, Colt McCoy. You know, you didn't debate me on Kawhi Leonard. I was just very right about that. Tiger Woods. We actually had a bet i said he would win another major and you said he'll never you know even come close i just can't i can't think for the life of me of what you've ever been right about (laughs) (laughs) i just can't i'm trying to think like i was trying to come up with a list of what's tommy been right about over the years i mean i know you'll know the list i just couldn't remember any well I think we can start with what's going on right now. Oh, you think? You think?
2: <laughs> do, do you think? Do you this? I never brought it up.
1: <laughs> oh, you were going to, though. And I beat you to the punch. I beat you to the punch. Now, uh, Inauguration Day is still, uh, what, 13 days away. So we'll, we'll see if they have to...
2: Well, look, I think, I think...
1: The spirit of what I said no, no, no. has been proven. No, 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 no. Oh I, yes, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a lot of credit. You know, like I always do, and I know you've been right about a lot of things over the years. I can't remember what they were, but I know you have been. Um, but I, I will tell you this: that I did get no less. Than a dozen tweets because I started looking through Twitter actually this morning as I was doing the radio show. You, you know, I like I loved these days when I did the show with somebody else. You specifically, um, I don't love these days when I've got to be on from six to nine a.m. by myself. I mean, I, I, you know, it's not that I wasn't excited about doing it or I wasn't, you know, um, interested in doing it. It's just much easier to do it with somebody else. So at the end of the show or during the show, I started looking through, you know, Twitter because on a, sh- on a day like today, you get a lot of people and I knew what was coming, by the way, Tommy, it was, oh, uh, can you, t- dude, I didn't listen to you. I didn't tune in to hear you talk about world events or politics yeah. or anything else. Just yeah. stick to sports, you asshole. I know. You know, you you get a lot of that, but whatever. Um, that's not really the issue, but I, I found a couple of tweets from yesterday. You really owe Tom an apology tomorrow to start the podcast. And I'm looking for him now. Cause I got a lot of Twitter reaction to the show this morning as I'm going through it now. I can't even find him. but I'll paraphrase basically most of them that said, Tommy tried to tell you over the summer that Trump was not going to leave Uh, He he was going to have to be forcibly removed from the White House on Inauguration Day. You better apologize to him tomorrow morning. I'm not going to apologize to you because that hasn't happened yet, and whether right. or not this was in the spirit of what you were discussing, the point was, I my comment to you was, oh, what, like they the the Bidens are going to be ready to move in, and he's going to say, I'm not leaving, um, but and, and that was sort of my spirit, and my reaction. But you you were definitely on to the fact, not that I really disputed this um that this guy is certifiable and anything was possible um if he lost the election which he did he did lose the election uh, people that, you, see, that's, you know i don't you know if people to, realize this this is how you have to operate with this guy this
2: guy i mean what's normal is not in his parameter it's it's not he's not he has no boundaries he has he has no bound look yeah, i mean to people I know, I said this six days after he was elected in 2016. I know. Yeah. I mean, I said he's not – if he loses next time, he's not leaving. I said, I mean, because – I mean, I've, I've watched this guy over the years, and uh, I know his mentor. And if you want to know who Donald Trump is, study who Roy Cohn was, Right. a very famous <laughs> yes. uh, fixer and lawyer in New York. Uh, in the fifties and sixties, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look, you don't owe me an apology for anything. I mean, I, I would have been happy to have been wrong.
1: No, you, no, no, no. This is no, yes. no, no. Oh, no, this. This.
2: oh stop
1: no. it. You now you're being no, disingenuous no, no. because you've been sending me articles over the last but, month or two months well, about you know various columnists that have been writing he's not going to leave and you just send these to me so you haven't forgotten about this you were so
2: dismissive no you were you were, oh, no come on this is true this is why people are reacting
1: no no to no, you. no i was dismissive no doubt you were so dismissive i was dismissive but and i that's think that's
2: why you did i mean you just didn't take it seriously
1: well because I didn't because uh, I said to you that day what uh, he th- the Bidens are moving in after inauguration day and he's just sitting in the White House saying I'm not leaving.
2: But that's not taken as seriously.
1: OK, look, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, but moments ago, he just put out a statement saying that there would be an orderly transition on January 20th. Um, look, you know, I am. I, um, I I hate. I, I, I Yesterday was just one of those days, right? You know, it was surreal. Um, I was sitting here watching it after I had finished the podcast with Cooley yesterday. And it was funny, Tommy, because, you know, usually when the podcast is done, I'll retweet it or I'll tweet it out with a note. And I'm sitting here and I'm watching this stuff unfold right when we finish the podcast. And I just thought to myself... You know what? I'm not going to tweet this show out today. If people if people are going to get it that have subscribed to it, and by the way, it was an excellent show yesterday. Cooley told a great story about Joe Gibbs had a trick play for Cooley to throw a pass in the playoff game against Seattle in 2006, and Seattle called a timeout before the play, and Joe scrapped it. But Cooley apparently could throw the ball 70 yards. I had no idea. It was one of the things I had no idea about him. But anyway, I digress. It was a very good show yesterday, but I just sort of decided, like, th- this is one of those days I'm not gonna like. Hey, listen to Cooley and I talk about the playoff yeah. game. Yes, you know, yes. and very wise. And well, I don't know if it's wise or not. It's just the way I felt at the moment because I was glued to this thing yesterday. Um, I have so many takeaways from it and so many thoughts, but my my single biggest emotion yesterday was anger. I was angry that this was happening and it didn't seem that there was enough resistance. I just don't get it, Tommy. I don't get how, you know, there were 40,000 people estimated crowd size at the Trump speech or what I, but clearly there weren't 40,000 people trying to, you know, storm the Capitol, whatever the number was, it certainly seemed like there was no resistance there was no preparation for this. The they opened the gates. <clears> they <throat> opened the
2: gates to let the crowd in.
1: There are videos they, they of the helped. barriers opening up and letting these yes. people in. Well, they helped some,
2: some, some of the uh, more uh, difficult, uh, you know, uh, uh, I want to call it rioters who had trouble walking up the stairs. Some of them helped them. And some of them helped them down the stairs.
1: I've heard about that. I've seen, you know, I've also seen various videos and pictures of the Capitol Police being resistant at various portions of wherever those barriers were around the Capitol. But I've also seen the videos of them opening up those barriers and essentially escorting them in or saying, go ahead. That's, uh, I just, the, the, the video of the one Capitol Police officer backing up on the steps inside the Capitol as just a couple of these dumbasses were walking up the steps. I just wanted him to take his weapon and shoot them. This was insurrection. This is against the law. We had the vice president, the number two, and the speaker of the house, the number three, along with every other lawmaker in America in this building, and it wasn't protected. Explain that to me.
2: The Capitol Police employ 1,900 people. They have a budget of half a billion dollars. I mean, what happened yesterday was inexcusable. There was no way they could say they were overwhelmed. And I don't see how they move forward in the future legally when it comes to arresting protesters on in the capitol moving forward in other words like let's say next week there's a pro there's a protesters line trying to walk up the capitol steps to save the whales what are they going to do you know save stop the them you know put them on <clears throat> the ground and then put those ties on them and take them away it's a terrible precedent kidding me?
1: terrible precedent
2: really absolutely you know charles ramsey the former dc police chief said everybody in that building should have been face down with with uh, those ties on their hands, at that point, uh, at some point.
1: I mean, there were 26 arrests, and that was as of earlier this morning. I don't know how many there have been now, um, and I'm talking about on the Capitol grounds. I think 52 total was the number that I saw. So it wasn't like no one was arrested, but that's not that's not what angered me. What angered me is I don't understand how these people. We're breaking the law and threatening our, our the, the people in that Capitol building. And they weren't hit upside the head with sticks or shot right between the eyes. I don't understand that. How 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 is it that you're allowed to just walk in and pillage and ransack and threaten people in our Capitol? I, I don't I don't under, This well, here, one is going to. And
2: here's, and here's the, other, the other thing it does it opens up uh, all sorts of of horrible conspiratorial thoughts. You know, how many sympathizers in the Capitol Police were with those people on those steps? How many privately sympathized with those people? I mean, this has been a big issue sporadically throughout the country, law enforcement sympathizing with right-wing terrorist groups. I I don't want to make it out to be all cops are doing it, but there have been enough instances to raise questions, and this raises those questions. Look, you know, here's the remark. Here's the, the most depressing thing to me. And I thought about trying to do this, but it's overwhelming. Try to make a list. If you were the king of America, try to make a list of everything you felt needed to be investigated from the last four years. Just make the list of everything that needs to, to be investigated. It's, it's overwhelming. There, there's so much, so much wrong that's gone on that it's almost you're, you're drowning in it. I mean, do we investigate the Capitol Police, you know? Uh, I mean, that's just one of 20 things you could investigate yesterday. What happened to the curfew last night, the 6 p.m. curfew in the district? You know, I'm watching the news and there's, there's uh, you know, riot, protesters, rioters, whatever you want to call Tommy. them, you know, <clears throat> on the streets.
1: Yeah, but that's no different than June or July, Tommy. Uh, it's one of the things we talked about. I remember this. I, I said to you, what in God's name is going on? There was a curfew. Why isn't the curfew being enforced?
2: Why? Well, they kept they kept moving them. They kept moving those crowds. They didn't.
1: No, they did I. Not I'm not just talking about that, that one night crowds. in question. I'm not talking about the church and the the National Guard. There were multiple protests where where there were curfews in this city and in other cities, and and these curfews were were bogus. They were never followed, and and you know a hundred percent that. It, the, to to consider and to question what the motivation of the 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 of law enforcement was yesterday but we've seen this this wasn't new yesterday the extremes on both sides are awful we we had people getting away with mayhem in june and july i know i'm not talking about I know. storming the capitol OK, but we had people basically being handed water bottles and, and juice boxes and goldfish from people during some of those moments in June and July. The whole thing is just so uh, but yesterday was different because yesterday this is this is the this is the, the capital of the United States. How can you not protect that? I, I don't how can and it is? It is a little bit of a precedent setting, you know, situation. You know, the video of people just walking by, you know, law enforcement, Capitol Police, whatever, and on their way to pillaging, ransacking, and, and ravaging the insides of a very sacred building and chamber. And, and by the way, completely lost on these morons, right? That the people inside that they were terrifying were, many of them were actually in there arguing on their behalf, on what they yeah. believed. You know, they're so intellectually limited, these people. That was the one thing that was noticeable to me as well. These people are truly stupid. I mean, this was not... Look, this was a sad day. It was a tragic day. It was a disturbing day. Um, I never thought, as I was sitting there being very angered by the lack of just a beatdown of these MFers, I never thought, Tommy, honestly that the government was on the verge of being overthrown. I mean, I was looking at these people saying the the chance that they're going to overthrow our democracy today isn't very great. It's not very high. It doesn't mean there was a chance
2: of somebody influential in our government being killed
1: Yeah, or or injured, certainly, no doubt.
2: There was that chance.
1: Which which is, you know, and because that chance existed, that's where the reaction to this didn't make any sense to me. And there, there will be investigations as to what went wrong and why, you know, th- th- they were allowed to get away with this. Um... But that, to me, I think more than anything in watching that, I probably, as I sat here by myself and watched it in my studio, and then went home and watched it with two of my sons who were home watching this. I just every time I saw this, I'm like, "Beat the living shit out of that dude! Shoot him! Are you serious? What are you?" I get it. I get it. I I I I agree with you. The,
2: the response was, I mean, you know, it's it's hard to separate your anger between the rioters and then the response to the rioters
1: yesterday. That's true.
2: I mean, it's really hard to separate your anger. I mean, that's what's so, that's what's so sad. That's what's so troubling. You know, I'd like to say to people that uh, younger people that, you know, I lived through a time where we did not have, where, where every member of the who worked for the white house went to jail except for the president of the United States who had to resign and you had a president and a vice president neither one of whom were elected at, at, at one point but there was no there was no coup you know government continued in an orderly fashion basically the, the whole executive branch had been wiped out right you know but but government continued so i say to people i've seen the worst well i'm not so sure anymore
1: Well, we've had this conversation before when, you know, over the last four years, look, I'm you know me, I'm very, um, I'm more of, of a centrist than anything else. I hate extremes on either side. And and when I would talk to various people who would be very hysterical about the last four years, I would say, you know, 50 years ago, half of our cities were burning to the ground. Yeah. You know, right. we, we, we made it through that. We made it through a civil war and while democracies are vulnerable, you know, they're, this one's resilient and it has been, and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make it, you know, I, I. I would wager a lot of money that we're going to make it through through this and and to a certain degree we we have already, but yesterday was troubling. I'm not suggesting that it wasn't um you know i um you know it's in listening to the descriptions of it, it bothers me sometimes you know i i don't i i I didn't sit there at any point yesterday thinking that my government was on the verge of being overthrown, but I know what insurrection means and to be sure of it i looked up the definition and that was insurrection i mean by definition that was an insurrection that that was yes. that was an act or instance of rising in revolt rebellion or resistance against civil authority or an established government and it's against the law okay and so what is what are what's the punishment well significant fines and up to 10 years in jail and anybody that participated in that, and how stupid were these people? I mean, seriously, they were in the nation's capital. Do, do do they not think there's video and facial recognition technology? Do they really think, especially the morons that were taking pictures of of themselves? Like this was, you know, a concert that they were attending? Do they really think they're not – if these people like the guy, aren't – The guy who stole mail from Nancy Pelosi's yeah, office yeah, yeah, with uh, a picture of it. Barnett is his last name. I mean, this guy's you, – you, these are single-digit IQ people. There is no doubt about it. And they committed insurrection. They don't even know what it means, but they committed it, and they should all be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. This is my my hope more than anything coming out of this is anybody that participated in that needs to be arrested and prosecuted. Our Justice Department better go after every single person and make sure that every single person pays for what happened yesterday. And but then that's but-
2: what I mean. That's that's my point. The Justice Department, the new the new administration is, is going. Is, there's going to be a sentiment that they can't, and I'm not putting this in that category, but there's gonna be a sentiment that they can't get bogged down in looking back at what happened. There will be a segment of the population, and I'm part of it to some extent, that's going to demand investigations over certain behaviors that have taken place. And uh, this is something different per se, but my point is the Justice Department is gonna be so overwhelmed so overwhelmed with so much to clean up.
1: Well, no, this is and the easy one though. Yeah, this, I know. You're this, right. You don't this sweep is, this, this, is. this this one doesn't get swept to the back to say, oh, we can get to that in twenty twenty three. This has to be dealt with starting last night. Every and the FBI is already, you know, putting yeah, out I read that. you know, putting out They're you know phone numbers for help. Yeah, these people uh, the these people need people. to be locked up. I mean, they need to be locked up. There has to be a deterrent to this because to your earlier point, and I feel the same way, there was a very dangerous precedent set, you know, and, and by the way, again, and I, I hate the extremes on both sides. I think there were incredibly dangerous precedents set back in May when a Minneapolis mayor and a Seattle mayor and a Portland mayor allowed people to torch police precincts and told police to leave and turn tail and run and allow the people carrying torches to burn it to the ground. That's a terrible precedent. And yesterday was a terrible precedent that that people could watch and say, "Oh, I can walk right into to the nation's capital, right into the Capitol building, and do whatever the fuck I want to do." You that that has to be knocked down. And I'll tell you what, you know, um, somebody sent me. Neil sent me. He said they didn't do anything because they didn't want another Waco, which inspired Timothy McVeigh, the whole,
2: the whole Ruby Ridge thing
1: and and Ruby yeah. Ridge thing. And, and I'm like, wait a minute. First of all, this isn't freaking you know, Waco and a cult. You know, this is our nation's capital that had to be defended at all costs. And if somebody got shot right between the eyes as they were protecting the vice president and the speaker of the House and every lawmaker in that building because that person was threatening and, by the way, had a weapon because some people did have knives or sticks that were sharp or whatever. uh, Was that really going to inspire the next Timothy McVeigh? I agree with you. But but you said something that I, I
2: wanted to touch on here. What? If I can. Uh, you know, this is an opinion. It's not anything I can prove, but I want to get it out. And there's something I've maintained all along in the years I've watched the, the, the Trump movement unfold. This is a cult. I mean, that's what it is. It's a Trump. There's no other politician that people would get this worked up about. No one's going to storm the Capitol for Ted Cruz or anything like that. This is literally a cult. If if Donald Trump stood on the Capitol steps yesterday with and, and passed out cups of spiked Kool-Aid, how many people do you think would have drank it? Enough. Enough for it to be disturbing.
1: So yeah. this is a cult. Well, but you know, um, the the problem that I have with that is I don't think it's fair to paint every Trump supporter with that brush, because they're not all the same. Fair you know,
2: has nothing to do with it at this point. What'd you say? Fair has nothing to do with it uh, at
1: this point. It doesn't matter. Let me let me let me get out what I'm going to say because uh, I I want to make sure that those that heard you say that every single Trump supporter is a cult member.
2: No, I I I, I okay. I didn't I didn't say that. I said the people on those steps yesterday that those those were cult members.
1: You know what? I think it was a combination of what it's been a lot of the times when we've seen this over the last year. It's a combination of people who are cultish and cult members, if you want to describe them, and a lot of opportunists. And I don't know what the percentage is, but there were some opportunists in that group. Period. There were just some dumbass people who decided, hey, hey, "Hey, let's go into the Capitol." They opened up these barriers. Let's go rip some. Let's go to rip Nancy Pelosi's office to shreds. There were a couple of those people too, Tommy.
2: Yeah, I get that, but I think you're underestimating the cult factor. And as far as and look, you you brought this up, uh, and this is going to piss people off, but I don't particularly care. Uh, you know, anybody who was of any level of intelligence who supported trump and didn't see the possibilities of this then shame on you shame on you Um, you're culpable
1: yeah i i that's not the i i like we we've talked about in the past whenever we've gotten into these conversations um what's bothered me just as much on the other side is this cancel culture of you're not allowed to express alternate opinion. You can't. If you if, you if you you. vote for him, you are that automatically makes you a racist and a terrible person. And I just think it's oh, more. Well, I mean, I think I, it's more that's complex different than from that.
2: Cancel culture. Yeah, that's a pretty different thing. I
1: think it's just. I, I think mean, it's a I very complex issue. I have blocked out
2: anybody, even closest friends, who claim they voted for Trump. They're done in my life.
1: See, th- I y- never again. Yeah, I that that's where I I just don't understand that. Um I mean this is you know, you're you're a journalist politics, for, for okay? crying uh, this out is loud. Not, this is not politics. Well, it is, but but you don't know no, that it's not. because for a lot of people it is. A lot of people hate him, well, then, but voted then, for his policies, and you and and you and you will cancel them from their lives. People have lost relationships and jobs because of this, and I think that's wrong. I think that's what well, the, that's a def that's any, the definition of cancel culture. Anybody in my
2: life who who was. And I had one guy who was a very close friend. Done. Yeah. Over.
1: Well, God knows you don't want to get on your list. Um, <laughs> the. the by, yeah.
2: by the way, I, I missed a lot of this yesterday. I mean, I caught up with it in the afternoon.
1: Why? Oh, Oh, well, I know why. You texted me why. Yeah. <laughs> Tell everybody. Uh,
2: okay. I was bike riding yesterday.
1: <laughs> Jesus God. Did it have training wheels on it?
2: Well, let me finish mm-hmm. now. Let me just say that I, I I have forgotten this, but I remembered it yesterday. That the idea of bike riding is a lot more fun than the actual bike ride. <laughs>
1: That's true. I do agree with you on
2: that. Yeah. Yes, it's... and it, to be in order to to say that we present an honest podcast, uh, I'm going to reveal something that I know I'm going going to pay the price for.
1: Michael Scott, you fell off the bike?
2: No, 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 no. But this is related to that. Uh, We rented adult tricycles.
1: What? I don't even know what that means. What's an adult tricycle? It's a
2: tricycle for adults. It's three
1: wheels? Yes. Oh, come on.
2: No, I did.
1: (laughs) I'm pulling up a picture of what an adult tricycle looks like
2: three i mean oh my i know
1: that's not even biking
2: did it have a motor on it (laughs) no it did not have a motor on it. which i might want to point out those things are heavy those those you know we add another wheel those things are heavy there's no gears on them so it was a pretty it was it, it was a pretty tough ride but there there's there's a like i don't i haven't ridden a bike in 30 years and i was a decent bike rider. I used to ride a bike all the time when I was young. <laughs>
1: okay, like great, most kids. Great.
2: But uh decent bike rider. but there's a fear factor uh-huh. of falling and when you break a bone at my age, Sonny, which is right around the corner from you, okay
1: a little ways to go. It
2: the the healing is much longer. And so we opted for adult tricycles so i rode a three-wheel bike yesterday
1: um oh my god i'm looking at pictures of these i have i have seen these um okay on the capitol crescent trail and
2: and, uh
1: by the way these are very low to the ground aren't they
2: not very low no 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 they're okay they're average size you know but uh, like when you're going up hills (laughs) you can't stand up so there's not a lot of hills
1: so how long of a bike ride did you go on
2: well, we did uh, four, four miles in, four miles back.
1: Okay. Was it f- mostly flat ground or were there hills?
2: Yeah. Well, it's Florida. It's all flat yeah, ground. Yeah, right. But flat ground, all it takes is a little incline when you're trying to wheel one of these suckers up there to, to, to wipe you out, you know? And uh, we rode about four miles. We stopped and had burgers and beer. And uh, we turn around.
1: And, and <laughs> and you, you drove. How many beers did you have before you got back onto your tricycle? There, sport.
2: Well, I only had two because oh. I figured I, I'd never, I'd never be able to get the bike back if, if I kept drinking. Uh, Could and, have had somebody we, come
1: pick it up for you. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be beyond me. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I did. I I rode a tricycle. It was, it was a surrender to my age and it it, i'd probably be another 30 years hopefully till i ride another go bike riding again
1: should this be the title of the show today tom's adult tricycle (laughs) um you know do you ride bikes so i was just gonna tell you that i almost purchased a bike early on in the pandemic and I just thought god you know what I just want to be outside I don't want to be inside I want reasons to go outside when the kids were younger there were a lot of bikes in the house and I had a bike and you know we did a lot of because the Capitol crescent trail was not only right uh, very close to our last house when the kids were much younger but it's very close to our house of our of the last 14 years as well <clears throat> 15 years now actually um and, you know, the Capitol Crescent Trail is a great, you know, bike trail and walking and running trail. You know, I you, you get on to it near where I live, which is just over the D.C. line in, into Bethesda. For those of you know, that know, like, the Massachusetts Avenue corridor, I live in that general area. So you can jump on and you can, you know, ride down to Georgetown, which is more of a downhill ride and an easy ride. And then coming back tends to be a little bit, you know, more difficult if you're tired. And you can take that all the way into Bethesda. And actually, you know, the extension of the Capitol Crescent Trail, which at one point, and I've not been on it in a long time, but you could basically take it to Silver Spring. And, you know, I want to say that it was probably, I don't know, 10, 11 miles from Bethesda to Georgetown. What we would do when the kids were younger is we would ride into Bethesda We'd get bagels like on a Saturday morning, and then we'd get on the bikes and ride all the way down to Georgetown. And by the way, then get off the trail and ride around on the mall, which was always great. Not so great anymore, (laughs) you know, but um, it was always great. And then we would ride back. And I can remember when some of the boys were really young, it was, you know, it was dreadful riding back when they were super tired. But I'd push them. Uh But I, I, I don't love biking. I, I, I never have. But I almost purchased a bike at the beginning of the pandemic. I'm glad I didn't because I don't think I would have used it much. I don't think I would have used it much.
2: Well, you know what I did see a lot of? And I've read about these before. Motorized bikes now yeah, are a big thing. I understand. You know, this was, yeah. I, I did not have a motorized bike. But they looked pretty good yesterday when people were passing us. On their motorized
1: bikes, you know, um, I, we were in um, we were in Amsterdam two summers ago. I forget if it's two summers ago or three summers ago now. And Amsterdam, by the way, is one of my favorite cities, not for the reasons that most people would think, you know, for the weed and the hookers and the the red light district and all that. It's just a beautiful, beautiful city. I love that city. And it is one of the, you know, top biking cities. Like everybody's on a bike. There just aren't that many cars. And so we biked everywhere. But man, that's that's not just biking. I mean, you're biking in like you know rush hour traffic biking every day on on roads and following signals and traffic signals and you, you know weaving in and out of lanes and, and and you know people. It's it's the way they, they it's the way they travel. It's the, in, in a lot of, yeah. of, of cities in this country, you know, especially out west. And, you know, I know Vancouver, I think in particular, massive number of bikes. And remember a couple of years ago, Tommy, that DC started creating those bike lanes and they were going to eliminate some of the car lanes. And I think they did that. Many more people bike now than they ever did. Yes, and they do. Obviously, it's, you know, f- phenomenal for the environment and it's also really good to stay in shape. Um some of the um some of the weekend biking clubs that you will uh see um these people are aggressive man they are aggressive I'm not going to go down this path because I did it with Tony about 10 years ago and it turned into a whole big thing where Lance Armstrong had to call into the show do you remember that Oh yeah you know to Tony and and it was my fault cuz I I had basically said Tony was like complaining about bikers and I said Jesus they are the chestiest you know I got into an argument with one on on the road and then he went off and the next thing I know the bikers all over the world are threatening Tony's life and so he had to have Lance uh, Sally Jenkins who is good friends with Lance Armstrong cuz she wrote the book right um, got uh, Lance Armstrong on the show with Tony, which pretty much took him off the hook. That's a true story. I think that 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 um audio of uh, is uh, still on YouTube somewhere of that day. Where um, but I but whatever. I uh, biking is a better idea than it is <laughs> in yes. reality for me. my
2: wife, my wife is who's far better shaped than I was. She, she a couple years ago. She went on a biking vacation with my older son, right. and they went to Amsterdam. One, that was one of the places they went to on a, like a European yeah. biking trip, where they biked, you know, twenty five, thirty miles every day. Oh yeah, you know,
1: yeah, so, it was uh, it was crazy. But, I mean, we biked everywhere, and it was probably you know when you're there on vacation and you're going to see museums and the whole thing, and you're biking everywhere there. I mean, we were biking twenty miles a day. It seemed like fifteen to twenty miles, maybe twenty five miles a day. Easily
2: speaking speaking of my wife yes today is my 43rd wedding anniversary
1: oh congratulations
2: 43 years can you believe that
1: I I can't believe that she stayed with you this long I know I I cannot believe that I know I mean that really uh, there had to have been some moments along the way where (laughs) she had to consider (laughs) what am I doing um so, anyway, what else do we have on yesterday? Uh, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I want to I mention this, and this may piss some people off, but I don't really care. Um, sometimes the truth will do. And the truth was it was a terrible day, it was a bad day, it was a sad day, and it was a memorable day. Um, but it was not Pearl Harbor. This was not a day that's going to live in infamy, which is what Chuck Schumer and I'm, I'm up late last night. I did not go to bed. I was watching that shit until 2 in the morning. Um, it's not it's not 9-11, okay? You know, 2,500 people died in a foreign uh, surprise attack at Pearl Harbor. Um we had 3,000-plus die in multiple places on 9-11. Yesterday was really a disturbing day, and it's going to be remembered. I'm not suggesting that it isn't. I'm not minimizing it in, in trying to make it out to be, oh, it was no big deal. That's not what I'm saying. But please, it wasn't Pearl Harbor. Okay, it wasn't 9-11. It just wasn't. The truth will do, people. It was a terrible day. It was a really bad day. We don't have to make it out to be Pearl Harbor or nine You're right. Am I right? Did you want to agree or disagree with me? I mean, yeah, no, I, you you are, sort you're sort of right. quiet I mean, there. I
2: mean, but, but that's but, but that's the – look, if, if we want to switch this to sports, that's the example of the age we're in. What whatever the latest accomplishment is is the greatest accomplishment ever done in sports. Right. So whatever the latest event we're dealing with is seems to be the worst thing we've ever gone through.
1: Everybody wants to say they were there for it. Everybody wants to say the immediacy
2: of social media and you know, thinking that the world exists in twenty four hour cycles.
1: Yeah. It's true. By the way, I mentioned this earlier today, and I'm going to mention it because you'll appreciate this because we both love it. And we we make references to this all the time um, because it's our favorite show, it's our favorite sitcom of all time, The Office. Um, when the pandemic started, and I thought about this yesterday as I was watching this, you know, because people were bringing up, you know, the War of 1812 and the storming of the Capitol, you know, in 1814 during the War of, uh, of 1812. And it just reminds me, it was like at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, and the streets are empty and, and things are just crazy and, and just so odd. And it's that episode, Tommy, where Jim and Pam go to Dwight's, you know, farm, beet farm, you know, to stay in that B&B that he created. And Pam awakes in the middle of the night to a terrible sound outside. And she looks out the window and there's Mose, Dwight's cousin, sitting on a toilet in an outhouse and she turns around and looks into the camera and says, oh, my God, what century is this? <laughs> and yesterday it made me think of it again. I'm like, what century is this? They're storming the Capitol for crying out loud. What are we doing? Yeah. Uh. Anyway. Um, okay. You want to talk about some sports?
2: Yeah, let's, let's get to it.
1: All right. We'll do that right after this word from one of our sponsors.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Tommy, I kicked off the, the, the show this morning um, telling people, you know, that. When the show is over and you and I did a show together for seven and a half years, as many of you know, on 980, um, you know, we, we begin planning for the next day's show and that, you know... We, you, and I—the way we did it—is we would sit in my office, and we wouldn't sit in your office because I didn't like to sit there in in a shrine built to 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 Tom, (laughs) with all the pictures and all.
2: You always felt intimidated. All of the
1: awards—I mean, my God—it was really quite uh, insufferable. I
2: didn't even bring in all
1: my awards. I'm sure you didn't. Um, There wasn't enough room for it, but you had shit stacked on top of each other. Um, Anyway, um, we would sit there and we would, you know, sketch out the next day's show. And then there there would be days where um, we would say, oh, God, do we have enough? And then we would look at each other and you would say many times, we can leave. The Redskins will do something stupid before the end of the day. And it's true. And how many times did they come through for us? Many times. Oh, yeah. But the point of yeah. bringing up the story is that, you know, yesterday's one of those days. It's like, you know, we got a playoff game Saturday night. I mean, this is the first time in five years, and we got a playoff game. So I had this show planned out. I mean, I had every <laughs> every segment ready to go. There were no holes for the show this morning. And then, you know, all hell breaks loose. and yeah. And then... By the way, because we're going to move it to sports, Bradley Beal last night. I'm sitting there watching all the shit, and during a commercial, I'm flipping it around. And I'm like, I wonder what the Wizards are doing. And he had 32 points at halftime against the 76ers. Are you familiar with what Bradley Beal did last night? 60 points. Okay. He had 57 at the end of the third quarter. He scored 25 in the third quarter, and he had 57 points.
2: Can I ask you a question?
1: Yes. Did they win? No, they didn't win the game. Um, <laughs> they cut it. They they actually took the lead after being down 26 against. Right now, I think Philly's the best team in the Eastern Conference record-wise. I think that's true. Um, I think
2: they're like seven and one or something like that.
1: Yeah. And the Wizards had won two in a row and they came back and they took the lead. But, you know, at that point, you know, just looking for a bit of a diversion from from the long day of, of, of going from one network to the other um, and following this this story, I stuck with the second half of the game and into the fourth quarter. And Beal took a rest at the beginning of the fourth quarter and then he came back into the game and I. If you were watching that, there was no chance given the fact that there was no defense being played by either team. The Wizards are a horrible defensive team. I mean horrible. But I was really thinking, my God, Beal's going to go for 70-plus. Like he's got 57. It's He's going to get a little rest. He's going to come in with about nine minutes to go, eight minutes to go in the game, and he's going to get another 15 to 17 points. I mean, this guy's going for 70-plus. Except he didn't. He only had three points in the fourth quarter. And so he tied Gilbert Arenas's all-time mark of 60. Gil had that 60-point game against Kobe Bryant in Los Angeles in an overtime win 14 years ago, actually. And Beal tied Arenas's mark and didn't beat it, which was just insane. Because in, he had 57, and it just seemed like he could name his number but he really ran out of gas, and then they really were all over him. Especially when the Wizards got back into the game. If the Wizards were down like by double digits the rest of the way, he probably would have scored seventy. But because they tightened up the game and actually took the lead, Philadelphia really, you know, bared down defensively. But he, I'll net it out with this. He went to the free throw line with 59. He had only had two points in the fourth quarter with four seconds to go with two free throws and a chance to set the franchise mark if he made both and he would have finished with 61. He made the first one to tie Arenas's mark with 60. And then because that cut the lead to five, he intentionally missed the second one because they were going to try to get the rebound and get another quick bucket, you know, whatever. And so he intentionally missed the second one, and he landed on 60. So he did not set the record, which should have been the easiest bet of all time. The over-under for him on points in the fourth quarter was probably 18, and he had three. Wow. Um,
2: Boys and girls, before we move on, I might want to point out uh, that Will Chamberlain, scored 60 points in a game or more 32 times in his (laughs) career
1: yeah (laughs) yeah i mean those those his stats are the ones we've said this before and and
2: when people bring up well he didn't play against anybody i did the research he played over his career against 14 hall of fame centers
1: (laughs) is it 14 yes um That's the one, you know, that's the, the player in any sport where if you go into, you know, his year by year statistics, they don't look like anybody else's in the history of his sport. They just don't. I mean, you don't have anybody that um, averaged 50 and 25. I mean, we're not talking about averaging 35 and 20. Wilt Chamberlain averaged 50.4 points a game and 25.7 rebounds a game in one season.
2: And he played all the time. I mean, he led the league in minutes played every single year almost.
1: Do you know what was surprising to me when they posted the list of the all time Wizards Bullets um, scoring? You know, Gil, Gil had the record, and then there was. Um, uh, there was Beal, um, you know, uh, tying it last night and they put up uh, the screen and I'm gonna have to find it now because I don't remember, uh, everybody, but I think, I think, um, some of the Baltimore players, I think Gus Johnson, I think is on that list. Uh, I think Monroe is actually on the list, which actually surprised me. Phil Chenier was on the list. He had a 53 point game, um Beal's on the list. Beal had 55. He had over 50 twice last year. But you know who was not on the list? Elvin Hayes. Like That El- is surprising. Elvin Hayes was one of the most prolific scorers in NBA history. And, you know, in 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 an era that they didn't play, you know, look, they played defense, but then there was a period in the 70s where they didn't play a lot of defense and then the 80s, it sort of came back and whatever. Um, I'm looking for the Wizards all-time. Um, I can't believe that somebody didn't post it with the uh, with uh, with Beal. Is Jeff Malone stuff. on
2: that list anywhere?
1: No, I don't think he ever. He may not have had a 50-point. Elvin Hayes had a 50-point game, but it didn't put him in the top five of all time. Um, leaders, season leaders. Let me just see. Minutes played points in a game. Can I find this one? I can't find this right now. Whatever. The bottom line is Elvin Hayes, I think his career high was 50 and he had it in a playoff game, Tommy, I think, against Bob McAdoo and the Buffalo Braves. Or maybe McAdoo had 50 and Elvin Hayes had 48 in the same game or something like that. But Um, Elvin Hayes is one of the greatest players in the history of the game. I think, I think he's always very underrated on the list of the greatest power forwards of all time. Um, but, uh, but he was not on the, the list of the all time single game scoring games in franchise history. Shanir was, Chenier had 53 in a game. Uh, he could score, man. He could shoot it too. Yeah. All right. Um, Get to uh, a conversation about the playoff game on Saturday night right after this word from one of our sponsors.
0: The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: All right, we are, I don't know, 50-something hours away from kickoff Saturday night, Washington in Tampa. And I'm going to ask you the question that I asked Cooley yesterday, Um, and I'm not going to give you my answer until after you give me your answer. But it's sort of a a gauge of if you feel strongly about anything regarding this game. And, And the question, simply put, is this, and that is, as it relates to the game Saturday night, is there something that you're confident about? Is there something, positive or negative, is there something about the game that strikes you as, I'm pretty sure this is going to be the way it unfolds. I'm pretty sure this is going to happen.
2: Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, at some point during the game, there'll be a 35-point differential. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it, really,
2: and it won't be, and it won't be Washington uh-huh. on top of that differential. Are you
1: being serious, or is this just something yes. that you just made up? No. Why I do mean, you, So why do you feel that? Because
2: way? because uh, this team can score points, mm-hmm. okay, and Washington can't score any points. I mean, this is this is that. That's ultimately what the game's going to come down to. Is you, you've got you've got no offense with Washington with rotating quarterbacks, maybe. Well, it'll be beyond his control because I don't think Alex Smith will last the game because I think Todd Bowles will go get him, you know. And so, I mean, at some point you'll see the Heineken boy uh, in, in the game. <laughs> I just think it's, it's going to be a beatdown, a massive beatdown.
1: Hmm. Well, that's the opposite of my answer. My answer, and I feel very confident about this, so this will be one of those who we'll be able to talk about on Tuesday that you were either you know you were right or i was right because it's probably not going to be somewhere in between but um i believe that ron rivera will have this team ready and that they will they will be competitive and this will be a game going into the fourth quarter now i don't know that they they weren't
2: competitive and ready against a team that had nothing to play for last sunday Uh,
1: who philadelphia Yes. They were up 17-14 at halftime. What do you mean?
2: uh, What are you talking about? Against a team with half their starters out and nothing to play for. Yeah. A team that was trying to lose.
1: Yeah, well, they they, they did that. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think that Ron Rivera's just got a track record of, in these games, having his team overachieve. And I went through the list yesterday. I won't do it today. I did it with Cooley yesterday, but this is why I was very much in favor of the hire when they made it. I just think that he gets more out of less. And by the way, they don't have less-less. Offensively, they do. Um, I also feel very much that Tom Brady and the Buccaneers' winning streak is a little bit fake Uh, It is four wins in a row against four of the worst defenses in the NFL. And against those terrible defenses, um, they still, you know, weren't... Against the Vikings, Dan Bailey missed three field goals and an extra point. Against the Falcons the first time, they were down 17 to nothing. They didn't even score against Atlanta in the first half. And Atlanta's bad defensively. And they did come back and win that game, 31-27. And then in the last two games against the Lions and the Falcons again, they've scored 47-44. and 44. But- The Lions team that, that beat the, this Washington team, right? Um, yeah, but they did. They okay. did it with Matt Stafford. I mean, if you watch that Saturday afternoon game, Detroit had nobody on the field. They they Chase Daniel and David Blau right. were playing quarterback for them, and they had a bunch of people out um, for that game. And, and Tampa, you know, was up like thirty five to nothing or thirty four to nothing at Still halftime.
2: The the Detroit game means nothing.
1: Um, the Detroit the Tampa Detroit game. Yeah, the Detroit game doesn't mean that much. My point is is that they didn't roll up this four game win streak and all of these points against anybody good, especially defensively. Well, neither did Washington. I'm not but I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the Buccaneers oh, I, right now. because you think they're going win thirty the they're gonna be up by thirty five points or more. And what I'm yes. telling you is that every, every good defensive team Tampa Bay played this year, they lost to. Every single one. The Rams, the Saints twice, and the Bears. And this will be by far and away the best defensive team they have played since they lost to the Rams a month and a half ago.
2: And I might point out to you that except for the Bears, those other three games you were playing high-powered offenses.
1: Um, you were not playing a high-powered offense in the Rams. They are not a high-powered offense at all this year. Uh, that's they can
2: put up more points than far more points than this team.
1: Uh, they're look, they're a better offense because they have probably a better offensive play caller and designer in Sean McVay, but they have not been very good offensively this year. Um, all right, la- last question for you. And it's a short show today, and we're, we're going to wrap it up here um, shortly. Uh, give me, I- I'm going to get your pick because it is Thursday. I'm going to get your pick for the game. But give me the teams that you think can win the Super Bowl. Your list, Cooley and I did this yesterday, I want your list of the teams that can win the Super Bowl, like legitimately. Not like, uh, you know, I could see them just really legitimately. Who can win the Super Bowl in your mind's eye?
2: The Chiefs. The Ravens. Uh, the Packers. The Seahawks.
1: Okay. That's it. Um. So you left out the, you you gave me the number ones in each conference, the Chiefs and the Packers, and the, you, then you gave me the Ravens and Seattle. So you don't think Buffalo can win the Super Bowl? No. Okay. Uh, that's a
2: pretty uh, good I, list. I think it, I think playoff experience counts, and they don't have they don't have any right.
1: Well, they no, they lost a playoff game last year. They blew that yeah. lead and lost to Houston in the wild card round. That's, that's what happened last year. I, I, that's a good list. It's funny about Seattle. I just, for whatever reason, I understand what their capability is with the quarterback and with DK Metcalf and with Tyler Lockett and with some of their backs, For whatever reason though, every time I watch them play, they're just unimpressive. They're unimpressive. They weren't
2: impressive against Washington.
1: No, they weren't.
2: No, they they weren't.
1: They were not. Um, yeah, I think I think the the Ravens were on my list uh, too. They were on my list. I I you know everybody says about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens in particular is if they get behind they can't win. Well, maybe they won't get behind. As <laughs> you know, it's very possible that the Ravens won't you know get behind by two scores. They're they're a very good front running team. And they had 400 yards in one game in an NFL game on the ground last week. All right, uh, Tommy's prediction. He's already told you pretty much what he's confident about, but we'll get the score and maybe a footnote uh, from him right after this final word from one of our sponsors. Uh, tomorrow's show, Cooley will be on with me. We will preview. We'll give you the keys to a win over Tampa Bay. Tommy's last show of the week, and then he'll be back on Tuesday um, with a lot of adult tricycle rides in between, I'm sure, over the weekend down in Florida. <laughs> All right. what? Uh, give me your final score prediction with a footnote.
2: Tampa 42, Washington 17. My footnote is... That Chase Young is gonna regret his little declaration of wanting a piece of Tom Brady. I've talked to enough football players over the years to know that these things matter, that these things fire up teams. That players have told me years after a big game that what the other what some guy said on the other team really, really fired up the locker room. Any player who tells you it doesn't is full of shit.
1: I think that's interesting. I mean, you you know, I sort of feel the way you do. I think some of this stuff really is more impactful than less impactful. Like, I think the dumbest thing that Dabo Sweeney did last week was vote Ohio State 11th. I mean, I I just don't even understand the thought process behind that. Why would you even do that? Why would you even risk that? Um, I don't know about Chase Young, though. By the way, he's the defensive player of the week. and the I'm sorry, he's the rookie defensive player of the week, and he's the... Uh, overall Defensive Player of the Month, I think. I think it is. Shit, how did I get that wrong? Where, Where, where is the, the actual update? Uh, here it is. Chase Young named NFC Defensive Player of the Month and the NFL Defensive Rookie of the Month. You know what? He's going to have a chance. I don't think he will be... Um, there, but he's actually got an outside chance to be an All-Pro in his rookie year. He is a lock for the Defensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL, yes. and in fact, Antoine Winfield Jr., who they play on Saturday night, probably will finish second. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what: Brady is one of those guys that he he will look for something right, and then he yes. will he will punish you if he gets the chance to. So. And
2: he has the weapons to do it.
1: Exactly. Um, all right. Forty two seventeen. Not a surprise that Tommy picked the other team by a lot. Uh enjoy your weekend. Stay uh be be careful on that thing. Um okay. and we'll talk on Tuesday. Okay, boss. All right, back tomorrow with Cooley.